Welcome to BET Headquarters. I'm Deborah Lieval. It's 2 p.m., so it's time for a morning staff meeting. Our leader, Bob Johnson, had a dream. A dream of creating a network that would accomplish what hundreds of years of slavery, Jim Crow, and malt liquor couldn't. The destruction of black people! Hey, y'all. Hey. Boondocks Podcast, Season 2, Episode 14, The Hunger Strike. In which Huey organizes a boycott of BET and gets some high-profile help. Will it be enough to bring the world's worst cable network to its knees? We can only hope. But first, (laughs) how y'all living? What's up, Hello, 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 everybody. Ooh. It's July. How the fuck did that happen? Yeah, already. Already. That's pretty Wait, much how I'm doing. <laughs> pretty soon we're going to be talking about freaking Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's going to be mm. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll <sighs> go back to school in less than a month. That's, I'm, mm. Yeah. <laughs> Like summer school just started in Seattle. Um, I'm not teaching this year, but um, I have uh, been asked to uh, help a little bit because there is this whole thing with special ed. I I think I might have mentioned this before. Maybe it was on the other one, but um, they're trying to do this this extra, uh, it's called recovery services and it's like extra help for kids with IEPs um, after getting through the pandemic just to kind of help, you know, give them a little... Oomph, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> the summer school coordinator called me and was like, so I didn't know this until this weekend, but I'm getting 13 kids on IEPs. And I'm like, great. Are they going to let you look at them? No, of course not. Because that's not how summer school works. So, <laughs> so yeah. I was like, okay, here's a few things that you can do to, you know, that can kind of cover bases for the basics. And then, you know, if you need me to come in and like observe something, just let me know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, Hubby's He's on his second, uh, so there's two three-week periods, mm-hmm. sessions of summer school. So he has like maybe a week left. I'm sorry, two weeks left out of the second batch. Um, but I just looked, you know, at the calendar. So the boys go back on August 4th. So wow. it's really just under, yeah. Wow. They're, yeah, they're not. Why do they start so early there? I think I'm, charter school, they put in more time. So part of their thing is more time. So they go. They have more of an extended school year. A little bit, but then they do have a week break in the fall, in October. Plus, then they have the red traditional winter break. Mm-hmm. And then they have a, like a week and a half off for spring break. So it kind of evens all out, even though they start earlier. But That's something, actually, the way that... <laughs> There's nothing official saying this, but I feel like that's what the school, Seattle School District is doing 
uh, because it uh, the start date for school keeps creeping earlier and earlier, and the last day of school keeps creeping later and later, and there keeps getting to be more holidays and breaks in yep. the middle. <laughs> so Teacher's days. They yeah. have a couple of those throughout the year, so mm-hmm. you know, kind of, it kind of evens out. I know the boys hate it, but I remember my first day of school being like August in the twenties. I don't ever remember other than being in elementary school starting after Labor Day, which is uh, when it should really start. It's always been after Labor Day in Seattle up until I think this last year was the first time it was uh, the start date was um, it was like September first or something like that which was before Labor Day. But, yeah, I yeah. Think pretty much most of Northern California um, starts prior to, you know, starts in August sometime. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, you know, they're like, hey, new parents, maybe they're trying to be nice, but I doubt it. It's probably, <laughs> let's get the money faster. Yeah. You know, yeah. kids in the class, we get the money faster. So, yeah, it's still, there's- stop us. we're taking a vacation in August. Our boys' birthdays are the 8th and the 12th. They're turning 10 and 13. Can't believe it. So we're going to take them to Universal Studios. So Very cool. They will have some time that they will not be there in the first you know, couple of weeks of school. But. Darn. <laughs> they have a teacher for a father, so they'll be okay. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, how you doing, Linz? I'm just living, y'all. Living my best life. Oh, I mean, that's hopefully what we're all doing, right? No, because it's a lie. Right? Got it. <laughs> this shit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, we get on. Still yeah. appreciate everything. Gratitude, all that good shit. But Lord child, can we get some uh, release? Like even going back to school in September, I'm kind of like, wow, you guys are optimistic with all these fucking variants. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Part, yeah. Yeah. Hey, actually, that that reminds me of something that I, I wanted to bring up. I know that we've talked about the vaccines before and the different vaccines and their their you know merits and their you know detractions or whatever. Um, and you know the Johnson and Johnson, we were like, eh, you know, because it's a little less effective, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's the only one so far that sh- that is showing to be effective against the Delta variant. Yeah. So that it could potentially be something that they end up giving to everybody because the Delta variant it might be turning into the the main one here. Yeah. I saw that and I was like, Moderna, Pfizer, get on right? your shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, really? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just talking to hubby. I was like, do you think they'll make us get vaccinated again? Because of this new variant. Probably, or they go, if you have it, it'll probably be like a booster kind of system or like, yeah. it'll be like the flu shot, you know, where we're doing something every year and they're, you know, well, Delta variant this year. So we're doing the Johnson and Johnson and it's the, Alpha variant this year and whatever. It's freaking nuts. Like, I kind of hope that, you know, I'm not saying like, let's put completely on lockdown, but the fact that people can't drive and I'm back on the road with them, I wouldn't be mad if they had to stay home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, can't drive. But, but no, nothing's going to go back into lockdown except for other countries because our countries, you know, we're too, uh, the, the economy is too important for, to care about people dying. So, yeah. you know, and Biden, you know, he's really pissing me off every day, but he's getting in and I feel like he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just closing his eyes and then pointing at something like on a map or something. And then that's his decision. Like he is like, I don't. Deja vu. Right. 
just without all of the the shit talking and the you know device of this well the TV the tweeters and the tweeters that's not a hell old tweets and then I'm even self tweeters I I definitely <laughs> wouldn't go so far as to compare him to our last uh, resident no, no, chief no. but he's as far as He's he's the perfect centrist. He's doing exactly what he said he was going to do. He's going to try and do these things. Although he's broken a whole bunch of promises too. Um, most yeah. of them to the people who are farther left than he is. Um, I like so, that you said try. I like mm-hmm. you said try because that's yeah. definitely what he's doing. Yep. I'm going to try. It's, yeah, he definitely should have ran on like, I'm going to try. <laughs> you know? Well, and, and these days... He did something the other day where somebody asked him, you know, do you, uh, like, a, God, what was it? It was like something like, um, do you have confidence in blah, 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 blah? And he's like, no, I hope that it works, but confidence, I, I, how can I have confidence for something when we don't know anything about it yet? You know, like it's, he's just like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bullshit you anymore. I'm done. This is scary. <laughs> Like, oh, right. thanks. Thanks. We're thanks. doing it together. If any of you guys have any ideas, write in. Let me know. Right? We'll try that too. Yeah. I oh, does feel wrong. better. I felt like, you know, it was just a little sigh of relief or at the earlier of the year. Yeah. But I will get to, give it to Lindsay because Lindsay was like, I don't know, y'all. Mm-hmm. It can't be, but it's still going to be fucked up. And yep. it is. Yep. You know, yep. so we're just going to have to go ahead and do what we do and get through the four years and hopefully we'll have people that'll help out or something. I don't know. But I, uh, I don't have any faith that whatever comes next is going to be any better. I think no. I was, I was having uh, that conversation. I was yeah. talking about talking to the, um, the summer coordinator at my school, my former school. Um, we were talking about, cause she's got kids who are in high school and uh, we started talking about mental health and how we don't feel like the district is is at all prepared for um, the amount of mental health needs that are going to be in the next few years with these kids. And, you know, one of the things that she said was she was talking to the guidance counselor at her kid's school. Um, and basically, the guidance counselor said the majority of our senior class doesn't believe they have a future. And wow. Yeah. And this is at a private Catholic school that, you know, kids who've probably never been depressed in their life before pandemic, you know, I mean, maybe there were stuff, but not to the extent that most kids That's might fair. experience. So yeah, like if, if the more privileged among us are pretty much unhelpful for anything better happening, like it's hard for me to do that. <laughs> wow. I wonder why that is. Like, is it because of living through the pandemic, is it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, it's a not lot the same of it. Also, and we're definitely not a, a privileged Catholic school, so I think it might also be the support system that, mm-hmm. that certain people have and how they got through through the time, you know, and how they chose to uh, either chose or chose not to follow guidelines and things like that. But I know just to give some glimmer of hope, I know for our students, they're not that's not their mentality. And ones that do think that they're freshmen, they have three more years of high school or anything anyway. <laughs> yeah. These are yeah. from, from what I understand from our, from our conversation, like these are uh, incoming seniors who are basically like not, com- not confident in the idea of college because 
well, you know, the we're going to be not going to be able to go and it'll be all online anyway. So why should I apply to the one that costs, you know, so-and-so or whatever gets this prestige? And, you know, these are kids who, like my, uh, another friend's kid who goes to uh, the same school is going to, um, which it's UPenn and like this, uh, as like, a, a <laughs> I can't remember the fucking words. Um no, anyway, she's going to a, a, a just below Ivy League school, basically, because she didn't want to pay for an Ivy League school. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that makes and, sense. I mean, hopefully what that would do, you know, maybe that, that, that <clears throat> frame of mind. I hope maybe so. Maybe it'll take a couple of years to trickle down, but then maybe it will become more, you know, more uh, affordable. Maybe that's something that mm-hmm. can kind of, you know, get the colleges, get our financial aid system, whatever needs to be done to make it more affordable. Maybe that'll happen. I mean, maybe Joe what? Biden will not try <laughs> to mm. forgive the loans, but will maybe, you know, so I definitely mm. understand that. I think that we've known uh, several of his past graduates that, you know, we were at our resort. We ran into a parent of somebody that he taught, he taught for four years and we were like, you know, what is she doing? And she's like, she's at UCLA. Well, she's like, well, she's online for UCLA. She's like, but it hasn't been the work schedule hasn't been any lighter than it would be if she was there. The bigger difference is her being able to move away from home and have that like, you know, college experience of partying and whatnot. She's, she's like, but if you had the opportunity to not live on campus, you know, if you could, if your family could afford an apartment, then there was still that kind of environment around the college. But how many people, I know I would have told my child, bring your ass home. I'm not paying for an apartment, you know, for you to do school online, just for you to live down there. So. It, it definitely depends. It definitely depends. But I think that it should really start an urgency into looking into why college is so expensive and what the options are for people. Um, so Colleges yeah, are I, expensive because capitalism. And, yeah. <laughs> and they continue to be That's expensive right. because uh, gatekeeping and classism. And yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. What I do like about this whole thing is that it's actually brought a, uh, you know, brought people to go to HBCUs. Mm-hmm. So there's been a larger influx of people enrolling in HBCUs. So that, Girl, that is positive that's come out of all this time as far as education, I think. If I, so. was a, if I was a black kid right now in today's environment, especially after the news today, I would be applying for Howard in like a half a second. Like, yeah, what was news today? That, um, um, what was her name? Uh, Nicole, Nicole Hannah-Jones, who um, did the 1619 Project. Uh, she, uh, so she was finally offered tenure at the college that she worked at. And she Aww. basically was like, nah, I'm going to go work for an HBCU. Wow. Um, so she's now going to be working at Howard University teaching. Uh, uh, it's basically, it's like journalism, but critical, uh, from a critical race point of view. I, I can't mm-hmm. remember exactly, but it's just, mm-hmm. it was, it, it was exciting to, to see That's that. Awesome. And you know, if I was the 18-year-old that I was back then and right. having something like that, because I was interested in journalism, especially photojournalism when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just like, it would be amazing to me if the only, like, when I was growing up, the only experience I had with HBCUs, the only knowledge I had of them came from the Cosby show. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it wasn't, like, yeah. yeah. It wasn't I knew like, of them, but I didn't. I mean, because of, um, because of school days, I, mm-hmm. you know, I was finally, I knew of it. But when I first watched that, I was like 10, you know, so the effect on me 
was long lasting later as I watched it as an adult. But Different World always had. Yeah. Like I thought I was going to Hillman. I thought Hillman was hella real. <laughs> I was like, where can I sign up for the tour? And my mom's like, it is not a real college. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. It definitely is. <laughs> what's, the co- what's the building that they show when they go, you know, in between scenes? And my mom's like, are, are you like, let's go ahead and start using that, that good brain of yours. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I would, my feeling on it is when we, the time that we grew up, I wouldn't have been opposed to it. But I think that for me, I wanted to learn how to make sure that I had the skills to be around all races and all ethnicities and all backgrounds. So I felt, I felt for myself in the 90s, going into the early 2000s, um, that that was a better environment. In today's world, I could definitely see my children saying that they wanted to go be around people where a majority of them are more like them. Because no matter what, from the South, maybe your experience going to be a little bit different. But I think the overall for the country and my children's generation, it's definitely going to be want to be more of, I want to be around my people just to enrich who I am and then be able to like enrich the lives of others, but by better understanding myself. Mm-hmm. And not so much they just want to go be around black people because we don't like anybody else. Not so much of that. So I see that that's you know where kind of the the influx and in the attendance has grown. Um, also, people are realizing that you can be somewhere where you don't have to pay as much as you would have to pay if you went to UCLA or USC or you know you know in pretty much anywhere here on the West Coast because most HBCUs are on the East Coast or in the South. Um, they're all in the South. I thought they're, yeah, and yeah, there's like Vermont and or not Vermont, but but Virginia, which is part of the South technically. I think is yeah, that that would be West there? Virginia. Where yeah, okay, yeah, 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 okay. I think, uh, but I thought there was a couple. Well, like you said, there's some on the East Coast, so I thought there was some like in the New York kind of area. Somewhere around there. I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. I remember. Okay. Yeah. I just, I don't know why I thought Virginia was like not the South. Well, that's why I thought that. That's why I would think that then. Okay. Geography did leave a little bit of a, a little bit of something. But yeah. So I, I, I definitely, um, I see, and then of course, more money being offered to you know HBCUs right now. Mm-hmm. Um, better opportunities for your financial aid packaging and things like that. And, you know, I think that all adds to it. But it's also very interesting to see that it's not just all people of color. It's not just all black people. Yeah, because my niece wants to go to one in Texas. Hmm. Yeah, it's actually interesting. So. I didn't actually realize that my dad went to an HBCU. I mean, technically it makes sense because it, he grew up in that college town, but that's funny. Mm-hmm. That's probably why he encouraged me away from that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. I was just, <laughs> I was just looking. I'm like, wait, I feel like, I feel like I know that there's a couple in Texas and Louisiana and like Oklahoma and, but yeah. Those are all part of the South. Where they're yeah, that's. Yeah, that's what she was saying. Yeah. Wait, you know what? They're. It would be nice to start one on the West Coast, but I don't think that they think black people in the West Coast have a culture. Can't start it historically. 
black uh, well, not historically, but just a black <laughs> college. Smart ass. Will you go through a mic or something? No, so not historically, but just a black college, I think, you know, that has the same kind of foundation and ideals that historically black ones have. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they don't think that those of us that are on the West Coast, I think, are culture enough or have enough of a connection to our history to be able to have that here. Well, I believe my, that. My yeah, I'm going to have to do some research into stuff later. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Let's, oh. let's move along because I have something very, very important to share with you. All right. So, uh, as we've been talking about basically since the beginning of this podcast, we have this wonderful friend named Dennis Guggen who a long time ago uh, did some uh, custom pop vinyls for Dean and I for our other podcast. And when we started this one, he decided he wanted to do some for us. So now we have our collection in front of us of our Boondocks uh, pop vinyls plus the lovely hosts of the Boondocks podcast. So we're going to show them to you if uh, Dean will hold them up for the camera, maybe. Um, so uh, MJ, who do you want to see first? Um, I'll say Uncle Ruckus. Uncle Ah, Uncle Ruckus. All right. So some of this part might be shown on uh, as a video. Ooh. So Ruckus, yeah, I love fun. it. Darkest of all of them is the big giant yeah. eye. <laughs> oh my God, like, really even the good. ponytail, everything. I love, man tail. I love it. I love his man tail. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Wow. I love that you just did the whole like hand model thing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Like he's uh, like, the lipstick colors, you know, that he's about to put on. Right. Yeah, no. <laughs> Lindsay, who do you want to say? Granddad. Granddad. Granddad is a bobblehead even, so it's even better. I love this. Oh. <laughs> he looks grumpy oh and he's wearing God, a sweater. <laughs> what a good job. Okay. I oh love that God. one. New shoes. Then a shout shoes. out. Great. <laughs> or, or for today's episode, fake meat. Fake meat. <laughs> fake meat. Who's next? That. Who's next? Bingo show. About Riley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, damn, that's a good one. Like the eyebrows are great. The smirk. Yeah. The hair is almost perfect. I love it. Oh my God, that's such a good job. I talked about him on my podcast. Nice. um, This week. Yeah. So I'm going to have to shout him out again, but that is dope. Next we have Huey. That's a good Huey. With his big old afro. Yeah. He shaped it up for him a bit. I like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, oh, Tom. Looking very dapper in his blue suit. Sarah, smile. <laughs> that looks good too. I love the suit. I like that. And then, <laughs> Jasmine. My brain just went, what? I love it. I love just. The little puffs. <laughs> the little no, puffs so are like, so I can't great. I imagine how you would even start making that. That's so good. It's hella that's creative. Cute. Yeah. Now, the main event. Uh, show mine first. Let's, let's save theirs for after. So mine, which I, I love that he did it based oh. more on uh, my um, avatar for this. Yeah. So, like, the hair is definitely closer to what my hair looks like. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like the color, the glasses. That looks dope. That looks so much better than even in the pictures. And I know I'm seeing it on video, but still. Right. 
All right, here comes MJ. That's hard to tell in this, but the the pink is like bubblegum pink. It's so cute. Oh, no, it's awesome. And I love that he has my design. My barber is going to love that. <laughs> oh, my God. She's so cute. I love it. Hell, yeah. And Here. last but definitely not least, a blue-eyed Lindsay. Yeah. Blue-eyed beauty. I love it. It's kind of hard. It's another, it's also hard to kind of tell, but there's a lot of like highlights and lowlights in the hair that you just can't really see on the camera. When I showed it to my husband, he's like, holy shit, he even got your gray hair. (laughs) Oh Oh my God. Tell your husband, love him. Like his honesty, I'm great. Maybe a little too much, but (laughs) no, it really, I have very, like when we meet in person, y'all will see it and be like, holy shit. I have a lot of gray and blonde hair. Eh, I got a lot of gray hair too. I don't really. That's wisdom. Well, actually, yeah. My my mom was almost completely gray by the time she was 17. I lucked out and got mostly my dad's hair. Same. That's how my mother-in-law was. She said she was gray when she was over 20, babe. And completely. Yeah. And she tries to act like that's not the color. Like, we can't see. (laughs) (laughs) She tries to act like it's not. Real, real, real silvery almost white gray. She's like, no, it's not. But thank you for sharing so much. My son asks, so when are they going to be on the shelves at Target? Oh, Aww. that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> right? I was like, get on that, son. Find out how we do that. And then maybe we will be. I mean, Funko <laughs> needs to hire uh, uh, Dennis. So, Seriously. like, I mean, yeah, he's been doing these for so long and he can really get like the what it is about either a character or, you know, a human mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is the most recognizable because nobody looks like a pop. <laughs> no, yeah. Nobody has I, a gigantic head like that little tiny body, but somehow he still makes people. that look like a real person. Yeah, so, some people. We, I would love to, I don't know if he's shy about camera or being on, but I would love to just ask him a few questions, you know, see what he thought through the process of making all of them. And oh, Dennis has been on How Are You Now? And he's also been on the Produce Stand podcast. So he, he is very amenable to be on, being on. Uh, so that wouldn't be a problem at all. Which have him on, especially since we're almost done with this season. Maybe that'll be a good little, you know, little Maybe bridge. For our, for our, whatever we do for our year, we can uh, invite uh, Dennis and maybe yeah. some other, you know, the people that we've had on and. Yeah, kind of like the, what we did for the July first. For yeah, we could have we get uh, Demond and Drake and every, yeah, that'd yeah. be cool. See if we can get like I don't know others. Can <laughs> even believe that we're about to be well, I, done yeah. with second season and almost on a year. I, I I did sign up for IMDb Pro for a short period so I could get agent email addresses. So might as well reach out and see. I mean, right now I think it would be a great time to. See if we can talk to some of those people since they're going to be having a new thing right. soon. Right. I agree. Look at you. You're so smart. I never thought about doing that. Well, it's oh, only I- because we've been talking about it for Letterkenny because they're, they're finally putting out another new season. And so we've been talking about talking to people more. Yeah. So, yeah. That'd be cool. I think people are really open to it, especially with podcasts. If it's not a major publication, you know, you know, a part of major journalism. Mm-hmm. I think that people are more open to speaking with them now because it's not that all that bullshit that comes with being on a, you know, Access Hollywood mm-hmm. interview. Not mm-hmm. anything wrong with Access Hollywood because I love people on there, but there's not the bureaucracy. There's not the background. You know what I'm saying? 
they have more control over what the message will be. You know, speaking to a podcast. Yeah. Speaking to yeah. So, yeah, that might be, you know, let's put it out there once again. Speaking into existence. It will happen. <laughs> That's what we have you for. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All right. Let's start talking about this episode before we run out of time and someone has to go take a phone call. <laughs> All right, so the episode starts inside the BET headquarters with the fictional president, Deborah Lee Evil, presiding over a board meeting on how they are destroying black people. We heard that in the open. That was her addressing her people. The issue of Huey Freeman is brought up as he's shown on CNN uh, giving a press conference stating that he's on a hunger strike and he will not eat until there is a public apology for creating BET, the network is shut down and all of the executive board members commit seppuku, a form of ritual Japanese suicide. Livel is unimpressed. He's just a kid. No one can stand in my way of destroying black people. Especially not Hiri Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so right off the bat, you know that she is evil. You know she is evil. And basically, she's addressing these people in front of her just like Dr. Evil in front of his minions. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, because of that, I did actually want to talk real quick before we get to into the episode about what this episode is and why if you are following along at home, why you never saw it in when the TV show came out 15 years ago. Um, This episode and the one that follows it never aired in the U.S. Uh, They were um, added to the HBO Max lineup last year when when this hit. Uh, And that was the first time that those of us in the U.S. could actually see these two episodes. Um, I was wondering if I'd never seen them before. Yeah, right? Uh, let's see. Ooh, sorry, too much wind. And it's the other paper, of course. Doot, doot, doot. All right, I wanted to read. Dean got some good information on this exact, uh, how, how much of a parody this is to something that was happening in real life at the time. Uh, so there are widespread rumors that this show and the second episode, which is uh, what we'll look at next week, uh, the Uncle Ruckus reality show, huh. have been banned from airing in the U.S. due to threatened litigation from BET. However, a Cartoon Network representative stated that BET had not contacted Cartoon Network regarding these episodes ever. Um, it does not mean that Viacom, which is the company that owns BET, did not have a hand in maybe threatening legal uh, uh, litigation against them. Uh, Sony Pictures Television, which produces the series, has not issued a statement on the matter. The episodes are said to specifically attack Reggie Hudlin, who was BET's president of entertainment, and Deborah L. Lee, president and chief executive officer of BET Holdings. Um, Lee is portrayed as Lee Vell, like I said, uh, based on Dr. Evil a little bit. Uh, Hudlin is portrayed as Wedgie Rudlin, a culturally insensitive buffoon coasting on his Ivy League education. Ironically, Hudlin had retained an executive producer credit on the boondocks, though this is only a contractual obligation. Hudlin has not had any involvement with the show since the first pilot was rejected by Fox. During the episode, the character Deborah Le Evel relates the mission of BET within the Boondocks universe, saying, 
our leader, Bob Johnson, had a dream, a dream that would accomplish what hundreds of years of slavery, Jim Crow, and malt liquor could not accomplish, the destruction of black people. So basically, uh, the, the thought is that Magruder is throwing shade at people that he used to work with because BET did not work well with them, basically. <laughs> that's, that's how I understand that. So this whole episode is, is him just going, BET is a shit network that is ruining black people's lives. And, uh, you know, here's a little peek behind it in my, you know, magical point of view. <laughs> I mean, not mad at the episode. Right? I'm mad at the episode. The, the episode is really, like, it, it's really interesting how, how today this episode was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Because yeah. I don't think BET is good right now at all. No. Um, I actually I mean, technically would know. I haven't watched it in forever. Yeah. I mean, if there's a Martin rerun on, or if you want to see, like, Baby Boy for the 1,000th time, then hey, turn on, turn on BET. Um, I will say that it was a huge part of my growing up. Video mm-hmm. Soul. You know, um, the Bobby Jones Gospel Hour. Um, you know, um, oh gosh, what was the one that was for teens? There you go, Teen Summit. Isn't it? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Teen Summit was good. I like Teen Summit. It was not trash. See this world. I mean, come on. Like an avatar of like a shenane. Um <laughs> like literally, it was that. But I think that early before I say before the mid nineties, um, it was okay. It was okay. It was decent. It was trying to do what MTV was trying to do, but for our culture, mm-hmm. which I think it, it was a big feat, and I think that it was something that they 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 definitely gathered a certain audience. Like I said, going from okay, so representing what Black people's lives were, you had the Bobby Jones Gospel Hour. You had like you know you had the 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 religious side of it or the gospel music, but then you also had what more of the black culture was into, which was video soul and R&B and hip hop and whatnot. I do like when they tried to represent or show that black kids go to college. I did mm-hmm. like, like, you know, the, um, yeah, College Hill. I did like that. I did like Baldwin Hills when they tried to give us a black version of like the OC and Laguna Beach. Like there were some, there's some jewels in there. I was going to say, but then once they've got bought out for Viacom, mm-hmm. then I think that's when it clearly became a detriment. And it was just like, let's go ahead and put on what we think black people like. Yeah. Let's um, put down or, the lowest brow, like stereotypical shit yeah. that we can think of. Yeah. 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 You know, and it makes sense that they probably did jump into litigation because look what they did to Nick Cannon. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't I, remember why I stopped watching BET. Like my dad used to watch it when I was growing up, like what you were saying, it was probably the only thing. And he wouldn't invite me to come watch it with him. He would just, he would watch it like in his room. So it wasn't something that I watched a lot. Yeah. Video soul and stuff like that. That's something that, you know, my mom and I would watch, but it was, if if I was, it was on already and she came into the living room. It wasn't like, she was like, Oh, six o'clock video soul. Mm. Uh, And then when it kind of switched over to 106 and park, it definitely, I think, 106 and Park tried because the two hosts were college educated and I think they wanted it to be like just a really good entertainment show that was based in what our, you know, what our current culture was. Um, 
they left when I think really Viacom started to try to make it a shit show. You know, that's when Jay, uh, AJ, AJ and Free, you know, they were gone. All of a sudden, then you had fucking Bow Wow hosting the shit. And like, just a whole, like, a just, it was not, it definitely was not good towards its, its final days. But, mm. you know, watching the freestyle battles, you know, being able to go, oh my God, they used to have some dope artists. And now you turn around and go, oh, Blind Fury, you know, the blind white dude that killed everybody. And the video, yeah, you should look him up. You don't know who he is. But, <laughs> I know you can no. see the look on my face. Like, what yeah, the fuck? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. So it was, um, it was their Freestyle Fridays, and it was a huge competition that would go out throughout the whole, like, year. And so then they would have semifinals and stuff like that. But it was a, bl- a blind guy. Um, I want to say he was from, like, Pittsburgh or something like that. Maybe I don't want to say Detroit, but somewhere on the East Coast. And he came and killed everybody. Like, he just... His flows were just ridiculous and it was so different. We had Eminem coming around and we had Eminem pretty new, but you never seen somebody who was disabled and especially who was blind, who was so just prolific, I think, in freestyle battling. So there were some, like I said, some gems, but overall, and I, and I know Deborah, I know her from, you know, um, from like, when they brought her out on ward shows and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know her, but I know of her. Mm-hmm. So it was very easy to identify who was she, who her character was supposed to be. But that does make me wonder, was it really like that behind closed doors? Did they really see Viacom as like Massa? Was, that, was and, it that intentionally, like were they intentionally yeah. trying to, you know, lower the intelligence level of their viewers basically? Yeah, I mean, and, and maybe not to that extent, but just being okay with showing shit that was not beneficial to the black culture. You know, being okay with and their thoughts maybe being like, well, that's what they like. So let's give it to them. So it's very, it definitely did make me think that during the episode. So I don't know, Lindsay was video, video soul or not just that show, but was BET something that, you know, was a huge part of your upbringing or were you somebody that was like, I don't fuck with that shit. I'm a TV girl. I was poor, y'all. We didn't have cable. <laughs> yep. We had UPN, like, like you said last week. Mm-hmm. Well, look, um, but I know. know- the only thing I do know, of course, is the BET Awards. Like, mm. I would go to my auntie's house and watch it. And then, like, I know a lot of my friends as adults, like, watch Being Mary Jane. I've never seen it. I've been told I should watch no, it. Don't want to see it. Yeah, that's that's about all I know, honestly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're trying. I think they have a couple of Tyler Perry shows on there now. Um, I think. You know, don't quote me, but I think they have a couple of his like, basically, uh, money soap or, operas. Yeah. yeah, they're kind of like soap operas. Um, and you know, some of them have done good, but I, yeah. I don't know because overall, people do still very much watch BT. First of all, I don't know why people would have cable and pay cable company everything that right. people pay mm. when you can stream shit. But thousand one, bye. 2001 is when Viacom took over. Yep. So that That's makes yeah, that makes total sense that because yeah. uh, if Magruder worked with them for that first bit before Boondocks um, really yeah. took off. Yeah. And then. And that makes sense because if you were anybody in journalism in that time or coming out of college, you either tried to work, you work and end up getting a job at MTV mm-hmm. or it was BET, you know, so that, that totally makes sense. Um, yeah, I just. Like Baldwin Hills, like I said, one of the shows that I liked, it was like a black version of uh, Laguna Beach, which I love Laguna Beach. That was cool because it did show, hey, there are black people that 
you know, that do have a different life, that go to a, a kind of privileged school that, you know. Parents are all uh, yeah. either yeah. athletes or athletes, musicians yeah. or actors. Yeah. Mm. And the thing was, the they weren't current big stars. Like, it was more 80 stars um, that they, you know, that they were children of. 80s, yeah. Because it wouldn't make sense. So their their teenage kids would have been teenagers in early 2000s if they were big in the late 70s, early 80s type stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, it comes on Hulu and, you know, my 12-year-old's like 100 and he's always about <laughs> you know, seeing black people in a different light. And I said, you know what? I'd be okay with you watching that. Like, that's not that bad. College Hill? Nah, not yet. Because College Hill was definitely the real world <laughs> for black people and black people that are in college. So do you, do you, as someone who watches BET, do you agree with the kind of backhanded thing in the beginning where it was like, we take uh, reality shows from five years ago and just cast black people and do the same thing? Like, is that? Yeah. Yeah. That's what Baldwin Hills was. That's what College Hill was. Like, okay. that was, yeah. And now that I think about it, why does everything have a hill in it? <laughs> hill, hills are for yeah. black people. I don't know. <laughs> or rich uh, people, maybe. But- no, yeah, it definitely was. Um, I think when they started to change is shit like being Mary Jane. When they, because that wasn't anything that, you know, you saw on, it on MTV. But it, now that we... Yeah, the Mexican... What? Oh, I don't know. Every, Maybe. Every show BT had <laughs> Okay. Like, I wonder if that was a demotion. I wonder if they were like, you don't work BET, I mean, MTV anymore, but you do work across the street. Yeah, probably. Oh, I mean, yeah. Like, maybe. I You're don't know. hip uh, and urban. Let's take your ideas over there, white yeah, people. Yeah. yeah. Your dockers are a little bit baggier than everybody else. So you must <laughs> like hip hop, like something. I know. Um, yeah. I, that's interesting to know the back backstory behind it. And I'm glad that, you know, for our listeners, I wonder how many of them were able to see those episodes or have seen the episodes that we're about to cover. Yeah, uh, I I had obviously not seen them. Like, yeah. going into watching them today, like, my process for all of this, we we watched through everything in the beginning and then we are taking it one episode at a time and, like, not watching ahead. So I've only seen this episode yeah. once before today. Yeah. Uh, and that was when, you know, last last uh, summer when we first um, rewatched all of it. Um. So yeah, when when it replayed today, I was like, I don't remember this at all. And I probably watched it three or four times before it finally was like, okay, I can see what's happening now. I can get, like, I, I, you know, those little things that you always catch in all of the episodes, it it works better for me when I've seen the episode a couple times before yeah. actually trying to study it. So Like, I don't think you realize, babe, that we hadn't seen that before. Yeah, so I, I realized, hey, I was watching it. I was like, I don't remember this shit at all. Like, I was well, like... I got really confused because, um, you know, and... We'll obviously talk about this in a minute when we go into the episode more. But, uh, you know, uh, Re- Reverend Rollo Goodlove uh, was in S- the S word. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. that episode aired, quote unquote, aired before this one, where in this one, he meets him for the first, or Huey meets him. And it's like, he's this awesome guy that Huey's just starstruck by. And, you know, so wait, you, you hadn't met him before, but you had met him before. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's why we went looking into it. Like, how does that work? What did this episode get placed wrong in HBO Max? Or no, it just it never it never played. Wow. Yeah. That's wow. To be able to because nowadays if that happened, 
they would have just released it online. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, like, and, so, and it would have been a big, you know, not commotion, but it would have been a lot of focus on it. Everybody would have watched it, got their message out. And maybe BET would have, you know, faced a little, and Viacom would have faced a little backlash in today's world, you know, um, for, for censoring somebody in their, in their art. So, wow, that's super interesting. All right. So back to Freeman household. It is dinner time. Granddad and Riley are eating and all of Huey's normal food. And this is where Granddad, of course, is saying, uh, fake meat, fake meat. Oh. And talking about how, you know, somebody likes uh, in, what, veggie burgers and, and all of this. But, you know, Huey's on a hunger strike. So um, he's just, you know, sad looking at the food. Uh, neither Granddad or Riley understand why he's doing what he's doing and they're teasing him about it. Um, and we have this exchange. BET is out to destroy black people. My nigga, I watch BET every day, feel me? And ain't nothing wrong with me, feel me? Nigga, you just hating, feel me? That's why you ain't never gonna have no paper, ain't never gonna have no bitches, feel me? Wait, watch your mouth. See, that's BET. He's right though, Huey. Women don't like all that hating. You better listen to your granddaddy. <laughs> you don't want to be bitchless. I know bitchless. Look, I'm bitchless right now. It's no fun. You feel me? You feel me? <laughs> so, obviously, like, Huey is implying that BET is just turning us all into the same stereotype of a black person. You feel me? And then Riley goes ahead and just validates that. Right? In his box. And, and granddad. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... The, the 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 range of ages is very wide. Their their reach is very far. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, so this okay. So for me, believe me, like I said, watched Uncut, watched BT, watched the music, the videos they put on there. Like I said, I just told the whole thing about Freestyle Friday. Obviously, I watched it, mm-hmm. but I also had enough sense to know to take that shit with a grain of salt. Like it's entertainment. That doesn't dictate who I am. And what my life experience should be. So where does the responsibility of BET really fall? And shouldn't, you know, not saying everybody does, but shouldn't the influence be very light? Because we should have control over knowing and having common sense and knowing like, well, that's a video. Like, so that's not really what shit's like. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just thinking because I have that foresight. But what do you guys think? Like, do you think it's their responsibility fully or should it be? as a community and as individual people, our responsibility to live a life opposite of that, if that's what we desire. And if you desire to live that lifestyle, perfect. Then you're doing you. So I, I think part of it, part of the problem with that is that as a society, media has basically dictates our like and influences our likes and dislikes. So a lot of people who might watch that show, that that uh, station a lot might not have you know it, think about fox news viewers um they're not inherently evil but they are fed over and over again this diet yeah. of crap until eventually it's coming out of their pores and that's kind of the same thing that Magruder is saying that uh BET is doing to black people that it's just feeding them the fat without any nutrition and you know, making us all sick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I, and I can definitely say that. I, so I think my point, you know, would be more of like, we have to be responsible for doing our due diligence and identifying what 
we believe in that or going and fulfilling all the fat without, you know, and mm-hmm. fulfilling it with nutrition. So I think that's probably it. Like, and not making one singular thing your only form of entertainment yeah. because you're getting all yeah. of your information from that one yeah. place. Entertainment yeah. and information. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just, like people use Facebook and use it like it's fucking an encyclopedia and it's like, no, <laughs> it is not. So like that's, that's not factual. Please go and read something that's, don't read what your freaking, you know, co-worker's cousin shared and how you're reason it. Like, yeah, right. like go and find something that's actually of benefit. So yeah, no, I get, I definitely get that. So just wonder. I kind of see like the, that as far as whose responsibility is it or what we should do. <laughs> go ahead, I, Lindsay. I think, as, I know I'm always on here waving that hood girl flag, but I feel like, <laughs> I feel like black culture is different in that way. Like, I feel like a lot of shit for us that goes mainstream tends to start down in the hood and kind of circulates up. And then like, you know, like you don't typically see, like you may see Beyonce wearing some shit now and everyone's like, oh my God, so cool. But I I just don't think it, I feel like just hood culture has more of a hold on black people than just, the, what the people at the top are doing, we do. Like, think a lot of mm-hmm. rap music starts down with mixtapes and, you know, rap battles and shit like that. Or, you know, and then it kind of like, you see it resurface or be remade sort of as people love, like level up and level up. Like grills. I don't think, you know, grills kind of started out with celebrities running around with grills. That was some good <laughs> oh, no, ass no. culture shit. It's yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of like what we were saying though. It's like they're they're taking what they think is good about black culture and making it accessible to white people. Like taking something that could be nutritious with you know the rap battles and the the um the just just the music in general, the fashion, Yeah. yeah, and taking it and making it accessible to white people. That changes it inherently. Um. And, and I while, think that's what it is. While part. BET is a black network, it's run by a lot of white people who are seeing hood culture and going, ha I get it. And I'll put it on TV the way that I get it. Yeah. Without actually yeah. trying to include the people that are in that culture. So, but, I, but I think in doing that, like that's kind of my thing. It's not mm-hmm. like you can't feed that back to us because it came from us. Right. Where mm-hmm. now, now, and this is my bias coming out, so I won't go on too much of a tangent. Where I think it gets fucked up is that when these elements of culture, and I'm sorry, guys, I feel like I'm always harping on the Kardashians on the show, like when they take these elements of black culture, black, you know, blue beauty, wow, black, mm-hmm. and try and like sell it back to, to black people, that I think is kind of where the. Uh, irresponsibility lies. You know what I mean? Like now we yeah. all want to get ass injections when a yeah. lot of us have like, you know, rounder butts. Like I don't yeah. know that you need all that, sis, but you see yeah. it, you see that being marketed through white culture and sold back to you. Um, so I guess if you want to say it takes that sort of pathway, sure. But I think at least me, like even like Tyler Perry movies, all of this kind of stuff, Diary of a Mad Angry Black Woman, blah, 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 blah. Like growing up and watching that shit, you watched it, yes, because it was like entertainment that was a little more tailored to us, but you totally watched it like a campy Hallmark movie. You totally knew that this was just like a church play. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like none yeah. of us took yeah. it, I don't think, to that degree of like, Seriously. 
this is influencing me in any way. But that's just my sort of thought on it. No, I like that point. So I definitely think for those of us that like our generation, we look at it as that. But now look at these kind of woke black people on Twitter and women that have like so much, you know, energy that they put into being so critical of others and especially other black women. I think that kind of derives from that, that whole mad, angry, you know, ready to kill black women movies and shit that Tyler Perry used to put out. (laughs) I think that influenced maybe a younger generation just right under us. That, that it didn't leave the impact on us. I because I feel like that's where a lot of that comes from. I think um, we get that from um like because that's now that's more of my generation. We get that shit from Real Housewives of Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. VH1 is like the new ratchet, mm-hmm. right? Like I'd be watching all the Love and Hip Hops, Love and Hip Hop yes. Atlanta, yeah. Yeah. New York, yeah. Miami, da 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 da. Like we watch all these. Uh, what it blank. Blacking Galley. Oh, uh, Braxton's. Like we're kind of like snatching it all up from there. But to your point, yeah, that's. It's probably still the same kind of TV. It's just dispersed on yeah. networks aside from BET now. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and I mean, but like, so then <clears throat> by the same token, Mona Scott is mm-hmm. definitely a, a small, you know, little, mm-hmm. uh, small, little, same thing. But she obviously has a, a, uh, a footprint. Like she was that one who Viacom could catch on to and then be like, well, we're going to put you on VH1 because VH1 is, you know, no longer that old school music channel that it used to be. You know, it's no longer the behind the music channel. It's no longer the, you know, the pop video station. It is salacious freaking reality TV where they take these B and C list actors or, you know, performers or whatever and give them a little bit of money, money that they haven't seen in a long time. And they put their entire business out in the street. And Mona just keeps, you know, she just keeps recycling that with all the different cities she goes to. Um, I think somebody like Cardi B used it right. You know, so if it's if you're going to be on that platform, get what you can out of it, but make sure that you're going to have this longevity in your life that doesn't strictly focus on you being on love and hip hop and all the ratchet shit that you did on there, you know, in your 30s and 40s. Um, But it's just, it's funny that you, you know, bring that up and then I get to that because you would think nowadays there isn't that influence, like we were just saying, that influence is somebody who, you know, in Viacom is telling you what that's white, telling you what the culture is. Well, then you have somebody who's very black, who's also kind of attaching into that and then telling you, well, this is what black culture is. Mm-hmm. So you have somebody on both sides. Um, and I, yeah, yeah, don't get me started on Mona Scott because I've talked about that situation, her, I'm going to say that situation, her before. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Aaron Magruder, look, you guys got a whole new little this time. You don't even have to talk about BET this time. It's <laughs> <laughs> reality TV in general, which, yes, you know, I think is going to be addressed yeah. a lot in the next episode. Yeah, I'm interested. I wanted to watch it today, but I was like, I always try to watch it right before. Mm-hmm. So, I don't so it's fresh in your mind. Week. Yeah. 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 So. All right. So, um, so the phone rings and he picks it up. It's Reverend Rollo Goodlove. Uh, and again, this is the the initial one that was in, was supposed to air before the s the yeah, s word. So, um, so good love uh, wants to tell him that you know he's an ally and that you know he's right there with him. And Huey, of course, is like you know, oh, so are you going to go on a hunger strike too? And good love, while he's eating 
fried chicken in this limo is like, no, man, I, I gotta, I gotta have lunch with Puffy later. And, you know, <laughs> so basically it's like, I'm going to be your ally. I'm not going to do what you're doing. Cause what you're doing is not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, so he basically tells Huey, you know, I want you to be at this rally with me and, and we're going to support your cause. And, uh, so then the next day, uh, Good Love takes the stage and he stirs up the crowd, telling them how bad BET gets. Um, he gets on a roll. He, as he gets on a roll, the curtain drops, revealing a band. Uh, Rolla begins to perform with them. The crowd loves it. Um, now, Good Love is uh, based on, was it Al Sharpen? Uh, and, yeah. you know, all of the things that they say about Good Love. Did you actually, um, Dean, you were going to look up uh, the village, not the village people, uh, parla- <laughs> parliament. You didn't look that one up yet? Okay. We were, we were curious if, you know, because they mentioned specifically that he was a part of Parliament Funkadelic. We're like, oh, I wonder if there was somebody in it that, you know, ended was, up being yeah. in, getting into politics or religion or something. That's what I was too. Yeah. I mean, he definitely is based on Al Sharpton, but then I was like, okay, we know that Al Sharpton wasn't in a, in a funk band, but right. we knew that he was a pitch. <laughs> right. We know that. He works at the FBI, but hey, okay. Uh, but he definitely, like, he ran for president. He's currently, I believe, is it is he on MS, MSNBC? Yeah, so he's on MSNBC um, on a weekly, uh, uh, n- n- like, nightly news thing. I think he does on the weekends. <laughs> and he's a commentator and, and is still doing all these, like, political action stuff, uh, you know. Part of, like, an ensemble, like, group of hosts is his own thing. He, he has his own show, and then he shows up on other people's shows. So, um, so then uh, Huey gets back from that rally and he tells Granddad how inspiring Good Love was and how the crowd just loved it so much. And Granddad says he saw it on the news and he tells Huey, he still doesn't understand what the problem with BET is because he loves Beyonce and she can shake it. And <laughs> so, um, then we've got uh, Huey and Good Love in Good Love's limo. And Huey brings up the idea of taking the protest directly to BET headquarters. Rollo shoots it down and says it's not flashy enough. So he, and he's going to use uh, his diamonds and his class to influence young people because that's how you have to reach them, not direct action like, you know, going up against the, the headquarters. Um, and of course, while this whole scene is happening, it starts with him eating ribs in the, in the limo. Um, then they're at a restaurant uh, where Rollo continues instructing Huey about how he has to do all of these things, um, which and he doesn't really want to be at all of these different celebrity event things. But you know, Rollo's eating caviar, and then they're in Good Love's pool where Rollo's eating grapes and drinking champagne. Yep. Um, continues to tell Huey that he has to do the hard work by rapping and learning new dances and um, and that sort of thing. Just basically saying, you know. Celebrity culture is the only way to change anything these days, uh, which, you know, is basically what people are still saying now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love how he just, it was so obvious that he knew that he was on a hunger strike, mm-hmm. but yet he continued to be in front of this child. Right. Um, but then also that he did the Superman. I was like, <laughs> right. you really, really do Superman. You. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was a shit though. Which is hilarious because it's basically like I'm learning all these stupid things so that the the, the kids will be attracted to our message. Mm-hmm. And because they're attracted to the diamonds, so you lead them in with the diamonds. Mm-hmm. They lead them with the truth. 
or whatever bullshit. And they walk away says. with the yeah. Yeah. Uh, then we are at BET headquarters again, and Evel's assistant comes in to show her the new slogan ads. Mistress Leevil, the new slogans are ready for your approval. Oh. BET. It's what's on in the background. Huh. BET. You niggas have nothing better to watch. Uh-huh. B-E-T. Complain to someone who gives a fuck. Huh. Now think about it. <laughs> I, I picked that clip because it's it's seriously Jess McGruder saying how shitty B-E-T is. Look how mm-hmm. boring we are. We think you don't give a shit. So we're just, you know, it's it's just so... Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's insulting, which is awesome. Uh, that he keeps bringing that up. Um, her phone rings right after telling her that uh, Good Love and Huey are on CNN talking about the BET boycott. Uh, Lee Vell says she knows how to handle Good Love as she cackles. Uh, we find out the boycott is growing uh, as we see a montage of people turning off BET to go read a book or um, you know do something different, you know, throw the remote across the room or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, we have, uh, Rollo Goodlove's show where he's interviewing former employees of BET, uh, tries to get more dirt, um, and also at the same time is basically guilting the, uh, guests into also propping his career up. Um, and at the Freeman residence, Huey is showing granddad the exposure the movement is getting from Good Love on his TV when there's breaking news story about Rollo getting a lap dance from a stripper in the House of Cheeks. What's wrong with going to a strip club? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't see anything wrong. I don't see anything wrong with that. But of course, it's a reason to be judgmental. Right. And to say that you can't, you know, you can't be an activist or you can't be going for the rights of people or you know, making sure that we're actually providing, you know, good entertainment to to our culture and then go around and, you know, tip somebody or have some some nice cheeks in your face. That's not a good thing to do. Um, well, but then also he's a reverend. So right. that, that part, that part. You know, um, one, but, thing I, one thing I found funny, though, personally, like I've I um, have I am known to uh, um, frequent every once in a while uh, certain establishments where people consensually take off their clothing for other people's money. And mm-hmm. uh, the only thing that I saw that could be controversial there was that someone had a fucking video camera in a strip club. Like, you, you can't even take your phone out of your what? pocket while you're inside. <laughs> like, like so. were they recording for the strip club or? Right. So it makes you think like. That one of the dancers, I'm sorry, no strippers, one of the dancers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, but you know what? It's becoming such a thing. It is. There are content creators that are dancers mm-hmm. that share their everything with you. They share, you know, get ready with them. They, you know, talk about their money count oh, or definitely. talk about their but lives. In the club itself, most clubs, it's completely against the rules oh, yeah. to bring in. No, like, I'm just saying that it's it, it shouldn't be so looked down upon when you have, when people are trying to show, I'm still a person. Oh, you know, yeah. like I'm just saying now, now nowadays, it's let's take all the stigmas out of it. There are the salacious and the, the, the immoral things that happen to these women. Um, but it's not because of what they do, you know, so that's just, you know, so it shouldn't be such a taboo. But of course, anything where women are taking control of their bodies and sexualities, 
That's a taboo. <laughs> that's what I was waiting for. Because that's what it comes yeah. down to. It's the woman yeah. having the power over what she does with her body and how she earns money. And, you know, I, it's, I feel the same way about all sex work. As long as it's fully con- consensual by everybody involved, who the fuck cares? And stay the fuck yeah. out of it. Yeah, or, it you know, pay to watch it. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't affect what you are not or maybe doing in your behind closed doors, but I think a lot of it is what you're not doing. So yeah, that you know, but yeah, we go from there. But yes, nothing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't care if that that was Reverend Goodlove's thing. I'd be like, he's not saying boycott strip clubs. He says BT. So right, and to be to be honest, he was smooth in how he worked that. Where he was like, you know, where else would you know Jesus hung out with sinners and prostitutes <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> saying. Mary Magdalene was probably his baby mama and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. how, you know, uh, um, uh, pastoralizing to a, a flock that is so low is the best because those are the people that really need to be brought to God. And, and mm-hmm. like, not so many words, but that's basically what he was saying. Switch it up, make it work. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, honestly, um, it's not in Seattle, but it's somewhere nearby. I can't think of where it is, but there is actually a ministry that goes to strip clubs and works with the dancers uh, to, you know, basically have church service and stuff in strip clubs for these women and other people that work there and, you know, not judging them at all, but making sure that they have access to God, basically. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Um, and I think there should be more things where people with religion are non-judgmental. <laughs> mm-hmm. If only if. if right. Ah, <laughs> uh, so then we are at Huey's tree, where Huey tells Rollo that the uh, the uh, stripper incident was not a good look. Rollo explains that the people in the streets are that the people in the streets in order to wait. Anyway, that's what I was just talking about uh, <laughs> about how going to um, going out to actually preach to the people is better than just, you know, being, uh, having the money for nothing, really. Um, then we get another montage of other sketchy dealings from Rollo, uh, like selling high-interest loans that exploit the underprivileged, or as uh, they say, um, the poor and the desperate. Um, and he goes on news programs explaining that the scandals don't hurt him, that it's just, uh, it's just nonsense and and as they would say in today's parlance, partisanship and all of that bullshit, whatever to spin it, to make it uh, work for him. Um, And then he escalated things by putting out a DVD about how bad BET is to their talent, which is directly uh, linked to um, the Walmart documentary from uh, around that time period where, (laughs) and like even references it in here about how Walmart employees would donate to these people because you know, they may be locked in for over, uh, overtime shifts with no extra pay and, and they might have to be on food stamps, but at least they're not working for BET. <laughs> that was a straight to the gut. Right? It was so perfect, though. Um, so back at the, at the Freeman residence, Huey is showing granddad. Uh, do, 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 oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. I messed up there. Um. Back at BET, that's where we are. Leval is watching the news of the boycott when the network president, a white man, walks in. Uh, she and the program director both kneel before him, which he finds very weird, and tells them that the boycott is killing them and needs just and just, just give them what they want. 
Ah, that's when the news breaks in. Not everyone is in support of the boycott. Listen to what this BET supporter had to say. Every time a black baby is born, I'd give him a plasma TV and one channel. BET. Slap it right on the ceiling over the crib. By the time that nigga's 12, he'll be watching it in jail. <laughs> BET forever. BET. Boom by ya. BET. Boom by ya. That's kind of language they understand. <laughs> Surprised you guys haven't given him a show. <laughs> da, da, da. Which, uh, you know, since our next episode is all about Ruckus getting a show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, right? So right after that, Leevil decides to set up a meeting with Good Love. So the next, the next thing we see, the boycott has ended, but none of Huey's demands have been met. We come to find out that Rollo made a deal to get his own show on BET. Uh, now, you know, if you're following along with us, uh, we already know that Rollo's show is uh, about him being a dad. Uh, what's it called again? My dad, Rollo. Um, and we found that out on the S word because he's promoting that as he's uh, on the news about that subject. So he says that the only way he can fix BET is from the inside. Um, and then finally, back at home, Huey's eating. And he has... Question for Granddad. Granddad, what do you do when you can't do nothing, but there's nothing you can do? You do what you can. Oh, by the way, did you hear they're giving Ruckus a job at BET? Can you believe that? What the hell is wrong with those people over there? Damn, they'll give anybody a job at BET. I don't want one. Shoot. That <laughs> also, give me a job, but I don't want it. It's not- Recruiter being like, I don't want your shit. It's I'm cool. Look where I am now. That um that quote though, or what you know, what he said, and then what grandpa's response was, I thought that was really like one of the times that grandpa was, you know, dropping some knowledge. Right. You um, do what you can is very yeah. especially telling a kid who is seeing that things are that this, you know, he he just had this this dream of actually fixing something ruined because of someone else's selfishness. And granddad's like, yeah, that's, that's going to happen, but you got to keep trying. Um, but I know Lindsay, I know you had something you wanted to definitely say about this last bet there. Oh no, that's it. That's why I picked it. Right. That's right. it's, it's for all y'all. The world's perfect. Up. You mm-hmm. do what you can, you let it go. And my mommy says, you're not here to save the world. You're here to be in it. I like so, Cut the anxiety. And do I feel do. like I'm here to save a couple of children along the way, but definitely not the world. <laughs> That's too much. Yeah. I like that quote. I like, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, Your mom is dropping some knowledge. A little recluse. <laughs> uh, I, I like that they ended the show this way too, just because the way that granddad obviously might be a little bit jealous that Ruckus is getting his own show, but also like, Damn, they just give a job to anybody at BET. Like that really is what it sounds like when you find out that Good Love gets a show and Ruckus gets a show. And so I uh this is basically a two-parter because the next episode is the direct result from what happens uh in this. So it almost feels like this is a little bit of a cliffhanger. So first of those. But that's mm-hmm. the end of the, this episode. So anything else that you guys wanted to bring up from this episode to talk about before we go into our next segment? Mm-hmm. Oh, double I've check all my notes. Yeah. For once, I've talked so much. So <laughs> <I> think- <laughs> all right. 
Well, in that case, I think we are ready. Welcome to Stupid White People Questions. You mean I'm going to stay this color? <laughs> Thank you, Steve Martin. <laughs> By the way, I was watching uh, off topic real quick. Steve Martin, uh, I, I, a couple of YouTube videos. I was on YouTube today. Uh, and there was a, uh, Steve Martin was on the dating game. <laughs> and yeah. the the bachelorette was Dean Martin's daughter. What? <laughs> and Steve Martin won. <laughs> That's at the time, at the time he was, he was writing, he was writing, uh, for, uh, laughing. So he was, so he was, he was like the, their head writer over there. So it's funny that, <laughs> that, have to look that up. I, think I remember that from something like just knowing that, that tidbit that he was on there, but I would love to like, see, I didn't know about Dean Martin. Like, I love to see that episode though. What was funny about it is that he was, uh, he was being himself. He was just being silly and, you know, like what, what, what <laughs> something about being in, being inside of a closet and trying to bang to get out and kind of all kinds of crazy shit while the other two guys were trying to be smooth and all this other stuff. He was just being himself and he won. <laughs> Always pick the funny one. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. So anyway, today's uh, white people question uh, comes from uh, young mama cycle on TikTok, uh, And I think this has been brought up. Uh, previously, but uh, never in uh, in this segment. But uh, did you grow up with a dad? Yeah, because you know, no black dads ever stick around, according to you know some media for decades. And it was their doing. That's exactly right? what they're trying to buy. You know, the the incarceration the, and yeah, the, the war on drugs. War period. on drugs, mm-hmm. which is a totally fucking made up thing, and. And all that, yeah, of course. But. How many military kids were were drafted from black families yeah. that weren't from white families? And yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely have. Um, still around, still alive, still gets on my nerves like dads do, <laughs> um, and like they're supposed to. So, yes, um, you know yours. Well, I want to say like, did you? Like, I mean, there's definitely more. I grew up with a dad, but I don't know if I could say that I know him or knew him. No, to be, I'm just answer the girl with the question. Yeah. Like, did you like you want to ask that question? And just oh yeah, assume somebody that, asked you that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like people of color, like you just assume that people of color don't have one. But I know a lot. Yeah, of you know white girls, and that, you know that explains probably why you guys end up with black dudes because you're trying to make that dad come back or you you know trying to make somebody mad. <laughs> but there's a lot of you guys that don't have a father and. If you do, he's not in your life. Like he's not present. Like he needs. There's a lot of dads that are black that even if their parents aren't together, they make it their duty to make sure that they're involved in their children's life some way somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't say that for all. So, you know, yeah. answer that too. Yeah, it's not a race thing. It's there. There are people who abandon their families all from of all races, and you know, it's more that society is built to separate black families than anything that black men in particular are doing or not doing. Oh, yeah. 1000% all the way through. So even when you do claim it, you know, you do kind of make it hard for a man to live because then they have to pay X amount in child support. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You should. But if there's a couple that can come to an agreement over what should be paid so that that child can still live a good life or, you know, be like, it, that should be done. It shouldn't be held against somebody that's trying to get their life together, especially if you have the baby younger and now you're in your mid 20s. You maybe have getting your life together. You got a little bit of income coming in. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, your, your driver's license is going to be taken away because you avoided to pay what we dictated was a good amount for you to, you know, regardless on whether you could live on it or not. I mean, I'm not saying that. Yeah, the whole system is screwed up and it's not. That yeah. yeah. But it, you know, maybe sometimes the child needs to be with the father and not with the mother who's getting the money and not using it on the child, <laughs> you know? So yep. there are those instances as well. So there's a lot that is systemically done um, to ha- allow that to be the case in, in some portion of the community, not all, like, you know, a lot of people think. So, yeah. Yeah. Anything you want to add, Linz? There's like a million studies on it. I even, I started to Google it, y'all, but I just was like, I can't read all these statistics. <laughs> right? I feel like they do this article every fucking year where it's just like, yo, it's about like, wh- how do you define being a father? Is it because most black dads like might not live, like they get married, black people tend to get married less than white people. That's just mm-hmm. the truth. And so they tend to live apart from their kids at times. Or maybe they have a kid from a previous marriage and white people do this shit too. So they live live with one child and don't live with the other. Like they do the study every year where they're like, oh, it all really comes down to how you define fatherhood. And then, yes, of course, like you guys already mentioned, there's the whole history of it. But I swear to you all, this has been debunked like a billion fucking times. Stop it. Go read the fucking article. Right. Right. Like just look around. Honestly, just look around and, and ask some people that you know of, maybe not even somebody that you're friends with, but just somebody that you work with, somebody that you go to school with, somebody else, and just observe and then really find out for yourself that it's like, like Lindsay's saying, it is not just strictly to one race um, and one group of men. So look at Donald. And it's unfortunate that they could put that on them as black men because you have to also deal with being a black man and being a father in today's world and then raising future black fathers as well. That's a huge responsibility. They don't talk about that. And the ones that are doing it and doing it, you know, regardless of what they deal with every single day or what the system tries to do um, to, you know, to stop that. But, you know, that, that's what those questions should be asking. actually asked. how do they continue to be an integral part of society? A black man have those stressors on them, but then also trying to make sure that they're being a good example to raise future men that are, you know, able to kind of, you know, keep that good thing going. That's, you know, I, I, I tell him all the time that it's, it, it's one of the biggest things that I admire is that he's able to continue to be who he is, but also raise black men and not just have to raise a man, but you have to raise them a little differently and teach them many different life lessons than what he did or what anybody else does. One of his peers, you know, has to. So that's something that should be celebrated. Because we're the ones that are doing it, or not me, because I'm not a man, but our black men are the ones that are doing it and um, many times doing it successfully. And uh, I think that's what you guys are scared of. Because that means that just, we're always going to be around. Well, <laughs> not if BET has anything so. to say about it. <laughs> not if uh, every police union in the country has anything to say about it. <laughs> that's what they're scared of, right? Absolutely. I, I'll say that uh, my dad left when I was two. 
<laughs> and wasn't in my life very much uh, every other weekend uh, from the age of probably eight until I was 12. And then we moved further away by half an hour, 45 minutes. And then I saw him maybe three times a year. Uh, so it has nothing. Just, just for the record, your dad is white, right? My, my, <laughs> last I checked, right. yes. Um, uh, but yeah, I did have father figures in my life. I had stepdad uh, who cared for me very much. I had other male role models in my life who, you know, got me, uh, helped me out along the way. But yeah, it has nothing to do with any skin color or anything like that. Uh, I, I will, I will also say that as far as child custody, um, men who ask for it will tend to get it. The reason that uh, fathers don't generally have custody is because they didn't ask for it. Uh, so or that they didn't and have the money to fight for it could could be. Yeah. I mean, but generally, uh, fa- there's a lot of fathers who just don't. Um, yeah. And I don't know if it's because they they've been told mm-hmm. this this legend that oh well mm-hmm. you're never going to get it. You know, mm-hmm. women always get it. Well, that's because dads don't ask. Uh, if there's and a, it's also starting uh, to change. Uh, yeah. You know, it used to be that it didn't really, unless the mom was, you know, mm, not fit. fit. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you. Yeah. <laughs> to take yeah. care of those children. Yeah. Unless she was demonstrably not fit to take care of those children, she did always get the child. Um, and, you know, there the dads that would fight would get a lot more visitation, but not necessarily the the main custody. Yeah. Yeah. Um but it over the last few decades, it, that kind of has changed, but the idea in uh, society has not changed. Like, no. you go into... But overall. Yeah. Overall. Yeah, overall, when a couple splits, the, the children just stay with the women. Yeah. Um, and Part of that is I because that's what we believe it's supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, when, when my ex and I split, you know, my kids stayed with her. And, and mostly mm-hmm. that was because they were already in school up there. They had their friends there and I wasn't that far away. So, Mm -hmm. and I still saw them twice a week at least. Uh, And then, you know, yeah. Then, you know, other events and and I was, I was also coaching with, yeah. yeah, So all that stuff. (laughs) So I I was always around and, you know, whenever, you know, whenever I was available to be around. um, But yeah, it's, and it's not easy. It's not easy being away from him. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. he, and now now they're all, all grown up, and it's going to be even less. So that kind of breaks my heart. But uh, <laughs> but they're both very excited yeah. to that that we are moving to a house where our intention is to have family gatherings and have a place for the you know future grandchildren to mm-hmm. to come and gather and and if they choose to have it if they choose to have any. Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure your your daughter will. She, she doesn't want to right now because she's a teacher yeah. and she's 21, <laughs> but I don't see her not yeah. having kids. She's too much yeah. like me when I was her age. They're at the age now where they're really like, they, when they need you, they'll let you know. Oh yeah. You know? Right. And, and, and so it's kind of like my, me, my 23 year old lives in LA and I would like to have him make the effort to come see me more. But I remember what I was like at 23, you know, like it was just like, Hey, I talked to you, you know, I'm not dead. I'm doing good. Everything's good. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's time it's time for you guys to go and 
kind of do you. That's what this, you know, this, this, this change is going to allow you. And then they're grown. So, you know, when they want to come visit, they will. You know, and you won't have to pay for it and all that good stuff because they're adults and adults do their own paying with traveling. And if you did a, so that's a if you did a good job <laughs> being a good parent, they're gonna wanna have their kids around you. And yeah. they're gonna wanna, you know, be with you as you grow old and and yeah. It's it's all cyclical. It's that time. It's weird, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good. Okay. Well, is there anything else you guys, uh, any final thoughts you have or anything before uh, we get going? Okay. I just love you guys and have a great week as well and to everybody that listens. And I'm excited for the next episode because I'm curious to see, you know, yeah. this, the, the, the shit show. I think that it will be of, <laughs> of not the episode, but the idea of the episode is going to go on in it. So can't imagine that being Emmy worthy television. So <laughs> All ruckus all the time. It'll be interesting how they yeah. they um they work around his blatant racism on a show for that. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I want to give a uh, shout out again for Dennis Guggen who made our um, our custom Funko Pops, and you can check him out at DG Pop Customs on Facebook. And uh, he's done, just, if you can think of a character, he's probably done something for them. He's got a lot of really great examples. So if you want something, if you want you, or if you want um, your favorite movie character, contact him. He's amazing. Shout out. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It was great work. All right. All right, my friends. We will see you again next week. Don't take this the wrong way, but... I need you to get the hell up out of here. Hey, thanks for joining us again as we make our way through the trials and tribulations of the Freeman family. We hope to see you back again next time for the Uncle Ruckus Reality Show. Want to know where to find us on the social medias or where to subscribe to the podcast? Just head right over to www.theboondockspod.com slash links. Have a stupid white people question you want to leave us? Email us at host at theboondockspod.com or leave us a voicemail at 760-933-8636. That's 760 we Three undo. Shout out to the artists who've created our intro and outro tunes. Our intro is hashtag make a change by K-I-R-K. You can find them on Spotify, iTunes, and Tidal. Our outro is Good Times by Audio Binger. You can find them on freemusicarchive.org and YouTube.